0: JMU Dukes are one game away from returning to Frisco. We'll talk about that more on this week's episode of the Yak. This one is going into the
1: record book. The 34 year old dream come true. History is made tonight in Tennessee. fighters are living a dream. Illinois are champions of Division I football. And Santos is into the end zone. Blacko. End zone touchdown.
0: Back in the studio, we're, we're down to one team remaining, guys. FCS mm. playoffs. I'm Mike Winley here with Bobby Burles and Tim McDonald. Guys, an unexpected nail-biter this weekend in Harrisonburg, and uh, a tough way to lose it for UNH. Uh, let's start with UNH.
1: Yeah, just, you know, just I think, I just think ran the out steam. of steam. Yeah, yeah that was. Ran out. Yeah.
2: I mean, it was clear. Usually, you know, we have these playoffs games, and you say to yourself, uh, the better team won today, but yeah. if they met every time, it might be... I think it was it was pretty fair to say, not just based on the score, but the way that they played. I think yeah. South Dakota State was just the better team, especially right now at this time of the year.
1: Absolutely, yeah, I mean, see, got to give credit to the Jackrabbits. They they played well. I think uh, UNH just looked overwhelmed early, and then I think the goal line stand pretty much put the nail in the coffin in that game yep. for any chance of them to get back into it. That you think were, even the pile really like
2: before that? You thought they maybe have got in, and then okay, well they'll just punch it in here. Yeah, exactly. And it it just stopped. it
1: just didn't happen, and and you know uh, the. It definitely looked like a team that maybe was a little tired, especially on the defensive end. That was been carried by their defense really the last couple of weeks. I if think, you think about it, and they just didn't have, just didn't have it that day. Someone had a great
2: stat. It was uh, 28 points allowed in the first half and tw- 24 in the first quarter, whatever it was, 21. And New Hampshire had come in the whole year allowing 29 total points yeah. in the first quarter of game. So, goes to show you, I guess, this team. The craziest thing that I don't think people have talked about, and I guess you don't because it happened, but. It, that South Dakota State should have been, if Central Arkansas had won, would yep. be playing at Central Arkansas yep. to then come to JMU. So that, that to me is why you love the FCS playoffs, because South Dakota State goes from playing two home games, staying relatively healthy, staying happy, and now heading to JMU. And obviously, like you said, I think the biggest takeaway, that was just a really, really good game. Weber yeah. State, hats off to Weber State. Yep. That was a heck of a Friday night game. That was like last year's North Dakota State Friday night game where it was just, mm. it was just really fun to watch.
0: That was an excellent game. Yeah. I was
2: I was back and forth. I'm not going to lie. everything you wanted. I never really doubt JMU's ability. I'm not going to lie though. I had some I I thought maybe this was it when they were down 8. You have to score and convert a 2 point. Yeah. Not even. They didn't even yeah. go to overtime. They scored, got it done oh. and then kicked the game winner. Well, it's
1: just crazy. I mean, you got to think when is JMU outside of maybe this year's Richmond game and maybe last year's Richmond game in North Dakota State? Yeah, but maybe like, like William. And yeah, Mary last year yeah. Like when, when was, was the last time they were pushed to the brink where you're like, this is it, they're not going to pull this out? Like they're down in the fourth quarter. You know those other games that we're talking about the Richmonds, the William Marys, and North Dakota State last year, they were at least maybe in control, and you're like, oh, the, you know, the, it was tied in the fo- late in the fourth, or they were up by three. But I mean, like you said, it was uh, down by eight. Needed that drive, needed the two-point conversion, needed a stop on defense where the defense all of a sudden, you know, they were playing on their toes a little bit. You know, Weaver State was, you know, they, they struggled there in the first half but found a rhythm in the second half, got a couple of explosive plays on the JMU defense. But then that one drive that answered the touchdown yep. for JMU, that yep. was impressive. Went right down the field. It wasn't a, you know, no, not really any big plays outside of that gutsy third and one call. Yep. Um, that they threw for the end and zone. And then the two-point
2: conversion, let alone yeah. is, a, is a zone read to yep. Trey Sharp. Like, what kind of offense in America would trust a zone read oh, I know. for for the two-point conversion with your season on the line? But not a lot.
1: But it, to you, a game like this good or bad for James?
2: I think good. I think good because it gives, brings you back to earth a little bit, and not to say that they need to be brought back to earth, but the thing that I notice and I think about when I watch – you watch the South State, Sam Houston, because, you know, FCS playoffs, you have to watch – Watch every game, the South Dakota State game. The the coolest thing to me as a fan, teams are really simplifying. Like you can be good, you can do all these dynamic, crazy things. The JMU game, like the touchdowns that Weaver State scored, that's just simple throw it up one on one. You know what I mean? There's not I love that part of this football that if you watch the plays in the offense that actually make a difference, it's it's really that's a staple football play and it, it goes up to who can make it at this time.
1: Yeah, and I think it was a entire team gut check when you look at it. You needed the offense, the defense, and and then the special teams teams to come through all together at once to win a ball game. And, Jamie, you did that. And I think, like you said, I think it's a good thing. They needed a gut check moment because they might need another one here on Saturday. Yeah, I think it's always good to, you know, see
0: where your limits are. And and that can only help them going into this game this weekend. Uh, Of course, they're playing South Dakota State just – going to be another big test for, for the Dukes, but uh, some motivation going into this weekend. Big news out of Harrisonburg, Mike Houston ten, signed a 10-year contract. 10-year.
1: Unbelievable. Jeff I mean, Bourne's got to be pretty happy. Yeah, I mean, it's a good week at JMU.
0: 10-year contract. I might
2: have to have JMU come and talk to the CA to get us 10-year contracts. Yeah, absolutely. 10-year I mean, yeah. contract, and I'm not saying it's like incredibly rare, but a 10-year contract at the FCS level means something, and you you read the quotes... From Mike Houston, it seems like he really wants to keep establishing and keep building. Let's not forget he still <laughs> hasn't lost an FCS game. But to get a ten-year, I guess when you have that type of success at the FCS level, you win a national championship and you're contending again. Yeah. Can you fault JMU for giving them for giving Mike Houston a ten-year?
1: No, not at all. I mean, he's going to be at a place where they're going to be continuing to be in the hunt for national championships. I mean. Obviously, you know, even in the release, it hinted at some FBS offers, but you got to really look at it from a bias standpoint, of course, here at the CA. Like, like you why could would be you like go to CCU? You could be you, an ODU. You yeah, could be a UMass. You could be at Georgia Yeah, why would you, you, to you go going? to a. Yeah, why would you go. Like, <laughs> all right. <laughs> why would you go to Sunbelt Conference USA at this moment if. Yeah, it's no disrespect, to no disrespect to at, at all. No disrespect at all. At this
2: moment, you're right. If you can contend, have the type of crowds, have the type of program. And a, you're
1: getting the same national attention, you're if, not national more, attention if not right more. You're more national attention right
2: Do you ever look at, like, uh, just JMU's Twitter account, JMU's? Yeah. The the, the numbers of, of national media members and coaches and athletes who tune in when JMU is playing or when – that, that to me, says it all, why he's staying 10 years.
1: It goes back to what David Pollack said to us. We don't go to programs that are sorry. True. <laughs> you know, they won 23 straight games. We're going to come visit. So, I mean, for college game day. So, I mean, it's it's – it, obviously, right now JMU's the hot team out there. It, it's a, a great job. They have the great facilities in the FCS, and you know you don't blame him To you don't blame either side wanting to lock up something that really kind of stabilizes the program. Recruiting is hot right now for not just JMU but across college football. And you know if you're a high school athlete or even a transfer looking to go to JMU, it, you know you see a coach that signs a ten-year deal. You know he's going to be there for the you know for the long term.
2: Outside of the nitty-gritty, which I'm sure Mike is going to hint to maybe a little bit here, but outside of looking at South Dakota State, we know about the quarterback, Taron Christian. We know about Jake Weineke. We know about all that stuff. The offense, it it should match up well with JMU's defense just to give both teams a test because South Dakota State has played North Dakota State, beat them. They've played good defenses. I don't know if they've played a team like JMU that can equally affect both sides. For me, it's also really fun to finally have a Valley team in our own backyard, and I say our own backyard, like – it's yeah. nice to think about how many teams, New Hampshire, Richmond, Towson, how many different teams, e- Richmond twice, have had to go on the road to yep. the Valley, play a semifinal game or play a game with a lot on the line to a Valley school. Like, notice direct to the Fargo Dome, it's still really cool yeah. to have that opportunity. And first, semifinal game for JMU at home since 2008.
1: Well, what I'm going to be looking at this week is that JMU offensive line, you've hinted towards it on our This Week in the Football episode, talking about the physicality. Cross of promotion. The ba- yeah, exactly. The nice. physicality of the Missouri Valley usually is equaled to CA football but you know last week what I've saw and we've seen it a little bit from this JMU offense a lot you know they we know they can be explosive when they want to but there was a couple times and I've seen it a couple times throughout the season a lot last week it's like they would have an explosive play and then would be followed up with a penalty a sack minus yardage, and they put themselves in second and long. I don't know if they can afford to do that this week against a really good South Dakota State defense. They're going to have to. I think that's one. That's probably my biggest key that I came away with in Weber State going to South Dakota State. They need to stay ahead of the change. They cannot continue to to flirt with the second and third and longs. I think going into Saturday's contest. Yeah, it's going to be a good one.
0: And uh, for the students at JMU. Word on the street is that they are keeping the the dining halls and the dorms open late. That's awesome. Yep. For holiday breaks so you can stay. Finals
2: and are done.
1: Watch the yeah. game. Yeah.
2: You know, you can either go home, sit on mom and dad's couch, or stay with your friends and have some fun at the football game.
1: And who wants to go home to mom and dad at 18, 19, 20 years old right now? I
2: mean, if they get <laughs> if they get over 16, thou I yeah. think that will be huge. They're yeah. we know they're gonna show up. It's just a question yep. of how many.
0: Yep. Yeah, I can't wait for this weekend. This it's uh, great. it's gonna be a good one. And uh,
2: 4.30 kick, what? Originally, ESPN, d- U. ESPN said three. We were all confused. Yeah, they, it, was it was confusing. Like weird for a little bit, and then they changed it the next day, but
0: 4.30. 4.30 on the U. And like we said, they're welcoming the Jacks of South Dakota State, and we spoke with Matt Zimmer, beat writer for South Dakota State. Tim, uh, why don't you preview this?
2: Yeah, Matt is a guy who on Twitter, if you follow him, uh, uh, knows the Valley well, knows South Dakota State well. He's been working as a beat writer for anything South Dakota State-related in athletics, but especially football for the last nine years. And South Dakota State, for JMU fans, w- where did this team come from? Are they like North Dakota State? They're not. They, they made the transition up to Division One 15 years ago, have been in the Valley for quite some time. And like Matt said, this has been a program that has su- quietly kind of had success at the FCS level and now finally is getting to that stage where it wanted to be and kind of gave us some insights, not just to the playmakers, but how far the program has come.
0: Absolutely. And here's Matt Zimmer.
3: So thank you again for for joining the Yak Podcast. I'm joined by Matt Zimmer from the Argus Leader. Matt, um, I've read a couple of your articles this season, uh, the legacy of Coach Stig, the legacy of Jake Wieneke, Dallas Goder. We know about that. What was the turning point? It kind of came up in your article, but what was the turning point for you? Was it facing those two
4: losses pretty early in the season and how the Jacks have responded? Yeah, especially the second one. You know, I think they um, went into this season with, really really high expectations uh, i think they honestly felt this was where they were going to be in december uh but when you lose two out of the first three in your conference uh before you've even played you know maybe the the two or three toughest teams in the league all of a sudden you start going geez this isn't going to happen you know i mean that they didn't think they'd lose more than one or two games all year and as it turned out they didn't um but when they were uh sitting there at one and two in the league i think a lot of people were going well what's going on here this team was supposed to you know charge through the season and, and be this dominant force and now they might not even make the playoffs and uh you know at, at the time when when they're going through it you know a team isn't gonna give you a lot of uh good quotes as far as oh this is what we're doing wrong or maybe we screwed this up or yeah. that up uh, but but once they kind of got things turned around then they were kind of a little more willing to admit that you know Maybe we got a little ahead of ourselves. Uh, maybe we got uh, a little overconfident, looked past some opponents. Maybe we were, you know, thinking too much about December when it was October. And uh, I, I think having that, you know, when they lost the first one uh, to Youngstown State, a very good team, you know, they kind of said, "Okay, you know, they got us, but that's not going to happen again." Uh, but that didn't really prove to be the case. I think it took another one uh, when they lost at home to Northern Iowa for them to really go, geez, this this is not going to happen unless we make it happen. And uh, they really recommitted themselves to the, you know, every team in the country uses that 1-0 and every week cliche, and, and I think everyone gets kind of sick of hearing it. Um, but I think they really did uh, make a, a concerted effort to adhere to that, and uh, it, it's been working for them because they haven't just gone undefeated since then. Um, you know, they've been dominant on both sides of the ball, and uh, now they're right where they wanted to be all along. Joined by Matt Zimmer from the Argus Leader, this is the State Football Yak podcast.
3: Matt, um, one of the biggest factors that I think a lot of people want to bring up, but I don't know if it actually will come into play this week, but the fact that South to State, no stranger to the postseason, obviously multiple years now being in the postseason, the job that Coach Stig has done has been pretty impressive from an outsider's perspective. When you look at how South Dakota State has beat North Dakota State in the past and James Madison has also obviously beat North Dakota State in the past, does it set up what should be a great game or is it kind of one of those things where you kind of throw out, oh, yeah, they both beat North Dakota State, but they're completely different teams. How how do you see the value of beating a team like North Dakota State coming into a matchup where everything's on the line, a trip to Fargo is on the line?
4: Well, I think um, just being in the same conference as North Dakota State year in and year out is a big benefit to the Jacks. You know, they won five national championships in a row. Everybody knows that. Um, but even as that streak was ongoing, as that streak was in its infancy, um, it was clear that that program was on a different level than what South Dakota State was on, even even though the Jackrabbits were good. They were making it to the playoffs, but you could just look at it and say, we're not as good as they are, you know? And uh, I think, I mean, obviously they've had some huge... Uh, additions facility-wise in the last couple of years that have been a big, big boost to them. But I think being in the same conference as that team has been just as big of a factor. I mean, that that shows them and reminds them every single year uh, the level that they need to be on. So just playing them, I think is big. And now the fact that like you said, they beat them two years in a row, uh, I think that's going to help them against James Madison just in that uh, they're not going to come into that. There, there's nothing I don't think that James Madison could, could do or there's nothing that they have uh, that could really surprise them. Um, they're a different yep. team, and I, and I think they've got – certainly I think they've got more speed on defense. Uh, you know, they, they play a little bit of a different style. Um, but when you're p- playing a team every single year you know that goes to Iowa and wins, it goes to Kansas State and wins, um, that, that makes it <laughs> – it kind of makes it so any other opponent that you could face just doesn't have that same intimidation factor they otherwise might. Yep. That's a good point, and it, yeah, I think I'll try to keep it
3: quick here and wrap it up a little bit, but for those CAA fans who look at a South Dakota State or look at the Valley, what do you think it, it says about South Dakota State? I, I'm sure I know you've covered them for multiple years, at least nine to ten years, but to see how far the program has come to, to have a senior like Jake Weineke and, and have Taryn Christian, obviously the Missouri Valley Player of the Year last year, how do you think it's kind of been faster to get to this point than you thought it could have been or is it one of those things where South Dakota State fans were just always ready to make that jump and prove that they could play at the division one level and compete for a national championship
4: you know that's a really good question um when when they made the move to division one which was about 15 years ago no one had any idea what to expect um there was certainly some trepidation because the facilities were so poor. I mean, they weren't even good for Division 2 standards. So people kind of wondered how is this ever going to work? Uh, and then they kind of surprised everyone and were decent right away. You know, they were kind of a 6-7 win team their first few years and and they were able to, to take that up a notch and start getting to the playoffs year in and year out. Uh, but again, I, I think the presence of NDSU is kind of what accelerated the timetable. You got, you know, your board arrival, the team that you're recruiting against, the team that you're trying to measure yourself against, they're playing in the national championship every year. So just winning eight games or getting to the playoffs, you know, doesn't seem quite as cool when, when your rival is doing that. So are they ahead of schedule? I don't know. I mean, Like I said, the new stadium that they have, they're just in their second year in the new place, Uh, new indoor training facility, all that stuff. That really was the game changer. Um, And, you know, in year two of the new stadium, they've made it as far as they ever have. So I guess maybe you could say they're kind of right on schedule, uh, but until they take that next step, reach it, make make it to Frisco, potentially win a national championship, you know, that's still going to make it uh, difficult for them to to measure up uh, to North Dakota State. All right. Well, Matt Zimmer, we
3: really appreciate you taking the time to join the C.A. Football Yak Podcast. Obviously, I know fans can follow you on Twitter as well. I don't have it in front of me, but I know it's uh, is it Argus Matt. Argus Matt Z. Argus Matt Z. For those JMU fans, because you know, I, I don't know if you've seen JMU fans on Twitter, but they're pretty. Uh, they're pretty adamant. They're pretty active on Twitter, and I'm sure they would I've love to get some I've heard from two of them too. this week. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure you have, but. I know we're looking forward to it at the CA. It's obviously a CA team versus a Valley team, but FCS football at this time of the year, playing in the semifinals, nothing better. So, again, thanks for taking the time, and I know you'll be there, and we'll be watching as well. So best of luck on Saturday covering that game as well.
2: Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks again, Matt, for joining us. Uh, we We had dueling beat writers this week on the yeah
2: Shouts, journalism, make it a comeback.
0: You're a busy guy. You know, we should have had them uh, speak to each other. I know. We should have done some type of, like, predictions. Predictions. Let it go. Yeah. Uh, So our next interview we had was uh, Greg Medea, or Medea. Yep. And, uh, Tim, give us some insight. Yeah, Greg's also a guy, Bobby, yeah. you know. I, I know you probably saw him at College
2: Game Day. A yeah. guy yeah. who lives and breathes JMU football. Yep. Any any type of story, any type of it does a good news job up that's there. going on. Yep. He's primarily the guy to go to and yep. just insightful to gain because he's around the student-athletes around M- Mike mm-hmm. Houston. He talked about the tenure. He also talked about uh, – the contract extension, the the type of program and the win that JMU had last week and its effects moving forward. Is is it a positive? Is it a good thing? Yeah. We'll find out. I believe he has his own
1: podcast too, doesn't he? He does. Yes, when he, does. Invite, he needs to invite you He, in he also had
2: Matt Zimmer on it this week, so Duh. we're doing a nice little... This is cross-promotional
0: all over. Exactly. It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> Here's Greg Medea.
3: All right, back for the rare second guest appearance on the Save Football Yak Podcast. Greg Medea, thank you for taking the time. Uh, I really appreciate it, but I have to say too, I think... This is a, this is the first of the CA Football Yak podcast. We've never had two beat reporters from different perspectives. So, you know, you're making history here. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to be part of it, Tim. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> I know you have your own podcast, too. We've seen it, whether it's opposing coaches in the CA, whether it's different perspective athletes. Uh, who else have you talked to from opposing teams? Because I know Matt Zimmer, who we talked to earlier on this podcast, I know he had a Q&A with you. Did he just reach out and it worked out that
5: easily? Yeah, yeah, no, nah, yeah. We we just did a little back and forth. You know, I, I said I'd help him out. He said he'd help me out. Uh, so so kind of just worked like that. But yeah, you know, uh, in addition to you know all the writing that I do for the, the DNR in Harrisonburg, uh, you know, I do the podcast too for the paper. And uh, yeah, I try to get all the different different guests on to get different perspectives on the game. So I was it was yeah, Matt. As you guys as you guys spoke to him, you know. Uh, he's, he's as knowledgeable as he gets when it comes to South Dakota State football.
3: Yeah, absolutely, and you could just tell from the interview itself. But I'm going to get into it. I'm not going to waste any more time. Is the talk that you've witnessed this week, has it been about stopping the three-headed monster on offense for South Dakota State? Or has it been kind of we just got to stick to our game plan and do the JMU, play like JMU can? Yeah, there, there, there's no
5: doubt JMU is aware of those three uh, fantastic options for for South Dakota State offensively. Obviously, the quarterback Tyron Christian, the tight end Dallas Goddard, and then the wide receiver Jake Winicky. Uh, just from my conversations with Mike Houston and and some of the JMU uh, defensive players and, and coaches, uh, is that the Dukes are well aware. And, and it's interesting too because it, the, the dynamic going in is that you know JMU they played pretty much man coverage all season long when you look at what they do defensively. Obviously yep. uh, they have talented defensive backs to, to do that. Uh, but I don't know if they've seen uh, a group that provides as many dangerous weapons uh, like South Dakota State does. And, and they've seen good good players on offense. They've seen really good individuals throughout the year. You know, you look at Neil O'Connor uh, at New Hampshire. You look at Kyle O'Letta, the quarterback at Richmond. There's been certain players that, that are they're very very good all-american caliber players uh in o'connor's case obviously uh, an ap all-american uh, that was announced this week but uh the, the collective group this is as talented as a group as, as jmu has seen and it's going to be interesting to see if they can match what south dakota state has offensively one-on-one and i know mike said they're going to try to mix up coverages at times uh but yep. you know Considering Jamie has played man all year, it, it, I think it's going to be tough to kind of bounce back and forth but doing some things that they may, they haven't done a ton of uh, this year. So they a lot of pressure there in the defensive backfield on, on Rashad Robinson, Jordan Brown, Raven Green, uh, Curtis Oliver, uh, and Jimmy Morrill. Well, that group's been good, but I think that's definitely the matchup to watch. As the playoffs have kind of um,
3: expanded and, and, and grown over the years, especially now with 24 teams in it, it's really evident – how often the home field advantage has helped that team, the higher seed especially. It, have you witnessed uh, a certain way, Is difference, that JMU has played at home? Besides the obvious, we know about the streak, we know about the defense, and we know about the playmakers and what they did last year. Is there a, a difference that this JMU team kind of has shown to you, especially playing in front of its home crowd?
5: I think I, I think. Obviously, just, just kind of the comfort of, of staying in Harrisonburg, not having to go anywhere. Uh, they're familiar with the setting, even though, uh, you know, it's, it's playoffs and, and the intensity is is heightened. And, uh, you know, what's at stake is, is more important than, than regular season games. I think, uh, you know, the, the crowd that, that J.M.U. brings at Bridgeport Stadium week in and week out definitely helps, uh, helps the players. The, the atmosphere has been good, you know, the first two games. I know the attendance is, hasn't been as high. Uh, you know, as it was throughout the regular season. I think JMU led the country, uh, led all of FCS in regular season attendance. But uh, they, they, they're expecting another good crowd uh, this Saturday with a 4:30 kick, and it'll allow some people to get there. I think. I think the one thing about it is, and, and I don't even know if this is a, a, a thing that's true, just because JMU's the home team, but at the end of the game, eh, JMU knows what to do to win the ball game. Like being down like they were to Weber State. You know, they really had no business winning that game, down eight with, you know, three minutes to go. Uh, and they never panicked. They never they never worried. Uh, they kind of kept it together and then were, were able to find a way not only to tie the game but win it in regulation with the game-winning field goal by Ethan Ratkin. I don't know if that's maybe a home thing as much as it's, uh, you know, a team that's very mature and, and isn't going to panic when, when situations get tough. That's kind of
3: parlaying into the last couple questions here, but I was was going to ask that exactly. Is that maybe, I know we've seen it with this JMU team, whether it's a close game in the second half and they usually pull away. Do you think it was also maybe for some of these seniors knowing that it could be the last go around, especially coming back versus Weber and and being down late in that game? Do you think it actually might be a positive heading into a game that's kind of a toss-up with South Dakota State being so good offensively?
5: Yeah, I, I think they they should be able to carry some momentum uh, from what they were able to do against Weber State because if, if you look at that game and you mentioned you know seniors thinking about their last home game, you, you look at Jamie's team and you know everybody knows the names by now. You know, it's Shore and Stinney uh, on offense, along with you know along with the other skilled guys, Alls and yep. and and and, Hyman and Stapleton, and then you look at the defense the it, it guys that, that have played on the on the defense for for years now with the Ekra and, and simeon robinson and, and green and brown it, it's all names people know and I, I think that does have that does play a part it does play a little bit of a role but you look back and what they were able to do at the end of that game and i think if anything it gives some of those guys who haven't played as much a little bit of confidence uh going into this saturday semi-final because because JMU is a little beaten up, they've had to go with some younger guys. And I think you look at you know a kid like Zaire they a freshman on the offensive line, who was forced in because you know the, the veteran senior, uh, A.J. Bolden, had gotten hurt and is done for the year, had gotten hurt the previous week. Uh, that And then they had another injury on the offensive line, which forced another freshman in. And the fact that they were able to kind of will their – Will their way to a victory and and stapleton played a large role too and then jamie had kind of been waiting for that performance from stapleton uh, i think it kind of gives those guys a boost those guys that you know not much were were expected of of them during a the regular season and, and jamie was kind of waiting on them to get uh to get going and, and have some key contributions uh it, it happened when they needed it to uh, and i think that that alone i think gives gives the group some confidence and I guess the thing to be said for Racky I guess when you hit a 46 yarder to win the game I think that, that says a little
3: bit too true very true um, and last question here, I'm going to actually put you on the spot um, so sorry to do it but I got to do it if you give us if you could give those people the fans especially the outsiders the South Dakota State fans and the JMU fans what is what uh, is one certain aspect, whether it's the special teams, whether it's the defensive line, one aspect that people aren't going to think about that will play a major factor in Saturday's game?
5: Yeah, I, I think... I, I, I'm sure people are thinking about it at this point. I, I, don't, I don't want to sound like I'm uh, I'm, I'm copping out here, but uh, I, I would have to say JMU's got to do a good job against against Karen Christian and kind of keeping him contained. Last week against Weber State... Uh, Stefan Cantwell, the, the Wildcats quarterback, uh, he, he kind of had his way with JMU in the second half, and that's both throwing the football and running it through uh, for two scores, ran for another. Uh, he was Weaver State's leading rusher. And I think by the end of the game, because of how committed Weaver State uh, was of, of him running the football, uh, it, it created some problems for JMU's defense that they hadn't had all year. Uh, they gave up um, double the amount of, the, the most amount of points they had given up in a game. Uh, entering entering this past Friday, so they went from you know what what was their lowest? Uh, what was the most they gave up? Was fourteen to giving up twenty eight. Yep. Uh, and and I think a large part had to do with the quarterback. Uh, so I think they got to contain Tyron Christian, not the same type of player uh, that Cantwell was. Cantwell more of a between the tackles. Uh, you know, hard, tough runner, whereas Christian is a little more athletic and wiry. And I don't know if South Dakota State is as committed to running him as Weaver State was uh, with Cantwell. Uh, but I think JMU's got to contain him and force him to make throws uh, from the pocket. I think that's probably the best way because South Dakota State's already dynamic enough on the perimeter uh, with Winicky, And then, of course, You know all over the field wherever Goddard goes so you got to contain Christian if you can and at least take that away uh, from South Dakota State I think that's the
3: name of the game all day on Saturday especially early and often if they can contain him early I think that will be the key too
5: Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and, and you look at what they've done with other quarterbacks that are mobile this year, like during a regular season. Uh, obviously, you know, Trevor Knight at New Hampshire. I think he would gotten hurt in a JMU game. Uh, and then you look at Joe Walker in a Delaware game and, and a couple of others. And, and what they were able to do was, was force those guys to stay in the pocket a bit or make throws. On the run, where they were uncomfortable, and ultimately led to interceptions. Uh, Joe Carbone a little bit uh, in that Stony Brook, the second round game. I know he's not totally mobile, but forced him to move around a little bit uh, and into some throws that that he didn't want to make. Uh, it will up to five interceptions. So if they can do that, that'll that'll be absolutely huge for for JMU this week.
0: Thanks again, Greg, for uh, for sitting down with us and and previewing this big game coming up here at uh, in Harrisonburg. But now it's time for three and out, Tim.
1: Yes, indeed. It do it the is. honors, indeed. Is there is, a, is there a, is the a Sam Houston State, North Dakota State in the three and out this week? That would have been phenomenal, but I no. don't know why. I was gonna. Should Hinnant should, should throw. I, maybe should a throw that in coach there.
2: wear shades in the dome? <sighs> maybe. You got we'll to see. ask Mike Winley that we'll one. Well, hold on to that one. <laughs> All right, so we got those a. Those nice lights li- are so bright. <laughs> <a> nice <laughs> yeah, little are. three and out. I'm gonna start with a random kind of has to do with playoffs, has to do with JMU, but. It's kind of a toss-up because I've gone back and forth in my head, and I'm interested to see which side you pick. Okay. You can choose this year's situation, JMU is the the top seed, JMU is the defending champion, they're at home as the one seed, hosting a semifinal game. Yeah. This is a hypothetical. So if they can win this game, is it more exciting knowing that they're the one seed hosting the semifinal, they're 25 games, they've won in a row, all the hype, the defending national championship, is it more impressive that they have this opportunity right now, or is it more impressive, like they did last year, to kind of go into the Fargo Dome as a seeded team still, but upset North Dakota State and a 19-game winning streak for the Bison. First ever playoff home loss. Which is more impressive? Is it the Dukes carrying over that winning streak, or is it what they did last year to get to Fargo?
1: That might be your best three-and-out question you've ever thought of. Ever? Yeah. good, because the others aren't aren't as good. But You know what, I'm going to stick with what, what they're doing right now. It's more impressive. The fact that they could carry it over and you play in a league like the CAA and you're able to run the table once again for the second year in a row, undefeated three-time conference champion now and and be the number one seed. Uh, you know, we've been talking about it all year. This team has a target on their back and it hasn't phased them in one game this year. And I think to put the explanation point on it all is is what they did last week when they were pushed to the brink, when it looked like in the last three minutes of that game that – this was it, that this winning streak was going to be over, the season was going to end prematurely and and whatnot, and they were able to do it in all three phases at the end of the game to come away with a win um, and to extend the winning streak, to be at home on the semifinals on a national stage. Uh, I'm going to stay with the winning streak right now.
2: I'm obviously going to have to choose the other. Well, yeah. Uh,
1: for me – But I have a feeling you wanted to choose mine, didn't you? I, I
2: thought about it. I'm not going to lie. I thought about it. But for me, it's just – the reason where JMU is right now is because of that win at North Dakota State last year in the semifinals, a game where Khalid Abdullah rushed for 180 yards, the Dukes outrush North Dakota State, the Dukes won at North Dakota State, which let alone that in itself is impressive, but in the playoffs, first ever team in playoff history against the Bison to win in Fargo. To me, that propelled them to yep. believe and, and know that... Let's, let's all be honest. That Youngstown State game was just kind of the next step. They knew that they were going to go into that game and win. Yeah. Uh, after they beat North Dakota State, the belief in that team carried over to this year, yes, but it, that's, I believe, how they are able to maintain that because they knew they could go into Fargo, get it done. Go into the, the National Championship was like a, an extra scrimmage after yep. beating North Dakota State. For, so for me, that is more impressive. I came up with the question, so you know, a little biased, a little unfair, but
0: that's me. I'm going to go with Bobby for a couple reasons. Uh, first and foremost, I think Devil's 24 wins, right? That's 25, I think. 25 yeah, wins yeah. now? See, we can't okay. even keep track. Yeah. 25 wins is, is incredible. You know, talk about Ben, don't break, but to make your way through the CAA undefeated is a huge accomplishment.